Hi, this is Bron Burton, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page. And there is that music. It's a wonderful music. Good morning, good morning. You're on 3RRR. This is Radio Marinara. I'm Anthony Boxall. And I'm Fum. Hi, Anth. How are you, Fum? I'm so good. I'm excited. This is my first show back for the year. Oh, it is too. Yeah, Welcome it is. Welcome back. Happy this year. <laughs> Thanks. Someone said that to me the other day. They were like, it's not Happy New Year, it's Happy This Year. Absolutely. <laughs> you look well. You look like you're rested. You look like you splashed your way through summer. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, that's putting it nicely. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've got a huge show. We, before we get into that, though, we have to thank Tim because Tim, is, as we know, is actually a national icon. He's, how are um, the, uh, he's a legend. How are the postal stamps going? I, I don't know. I, I'm slow, it's a slow grassroots campaign, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, to ask for. Um, I, I'm thinking of a whole full campaign that is greats of community radio. And mm. here would be one of the first stamps. Yeah, I think so you too. Know, we do sport. Why can't we do stamps, the greats of community well, radio? Well, we've done nudie branks. I've got nudie branks post stamps at home. Spot on. Which is awesome. Well, so... nudie branks are pretty cute. Yeah, they are. So that's also, Tim's be. also pretty cute that, Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we loved him, as everybody has probably worked out by now. But we do have a massive show. We've got all kinds of stuff. We've got like there's lots of news that we're going to catch up about. Heaps of different things. Very interesting. Some a major court decision this week that extends the Marbo decision many years ago. Very interesting. Uh, and then we're going to talk. Probably the second half of the show is about change and how we get change to get healthy oceans, basically. Yeah. And so we're going to have a chat with Amy Lowe, who's the – here we go. Here's left field for us, okay, the head of marketing and branding from a major apparel company from Piping Hot. I love that. They're totally changing what they're doing with apparel. It's really interesting. It's like – it's massive change and it's, where that's coming from is is interesting itself. So I'll chat to Amy. But then also – and then at the end of the show, um, Cal Glanzing, who is a youth change maker. Like he's 22, runs his own company, go-getter, like really, and is just using that kind of position to, to reach audiences in a different way about changing – Essentially, what we've been doing here for, you know, 25 years, but basically saying we've got to be serious about this, people. We have to change what we do. Our oceans are part of us. Yeah, I can't wait to speak with him because if he's already in business at 22 and already trying to make these changes, um, yeah, I have so much faith in the younger generation. Like, you have no idea. They're they're just amazing, amazing people. So I can't wait to speak with him. I know. And we did advertise, apologies, we did advertise another great um, speaker, um, Soloafi, Brianna Fruin. But she's in New Zealand and out of contact, unfortunately. So that all, our our kind of, the line fell down across the ditch. Well, no surprises there. They've been uh, dealing with a lot lately. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au.
Hey, so a couple of quick, you had a couple of things you want to draw our attention to. I do, yeah, yeah. So um, the Portfolio Bay Fund opened again this week, mm-hmm. kind of a little bit unexpectedly. I'm usually sort of like, uh, you know. There's some announcement. Yeah, there's sometimes it, I can kind of like a little so birdie tell So what is that fund? Well, the Portfolio Bay Fund is uh, is a fund that's run by the Victorian government. Um, yeah. And it is actually a fund to help community groups and schools and oh, like one. other right. people, yeah, 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 other groups to look after the bay. So yeah. it's actually part of the um, delivering the Portfolio Bay Environmental Management Plan. So it's right. all about the health of the bay. Um, and if you are a community group who looks after the bay, then um, yeah, get on it because it, it's already open. One-year grants are available with a maximum of $25,000. Oh, wow. Yep. That's pretty significant. And you've got you about 13. Yeah, exactly. You've got 13 months to deliver that. And then the two-year grants, this is where it becomes really interesting. Yeah. Uh, they are for innovative projects and they have a maximum of 100k per year. Oh, wow. So you could really do something. You can like really, area. really make a, make a splash. Uh, the closing date for the application is the 4th of April. So and everything – I remember reading that somewhere there, there is kind of it's, – it's, there are specifications. You know, it's got yeah. to be kind of all directed towards doing something constructive yeah. about the bay, raising kind of you know, yeah, the health of exactly. the bay. Yeah, exactly. And so, so they've got a really great information booklet where all the grants guidelines are set out. It's really easy to read. You can really see what they're expecting cool. uh, the projects to be like and what sort of uh, emphasis they need the projects to be. It's very well written. Um, so you can download that, check out the marineandcoasts.vic.gov.au website or just Google Port Phillip Bay Fund and okay. then you'll you'll get there. Cool. And I'll, I'll post so a link to the like Facebook it's page. It's already open. Yeah, it's open now and it closes on the 4th of April. And what I can recommend as somebody who has applied for many <laughs> Port Phillip Bay Funds. Um, start early? Yeah, start early because <laughs> because the emphasis the emphasis is really on making partnerships, working yeah, right. together, working together with your local councils, working together with community groups, working together with, you know, Parks Victoria, or yeah, yeah. Uh, any any other partners you can get into your group because you know the, the, the time in the environmental movement of everybody working in silos is over yeah. and 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 partnerships are being highly valued including by the Victorian government yeah. and so that is my hot tip for anyone who wants to apply for a grant get your mates of you know, yeah, your surrounding yeah, yeah. Coast Care groups, like everybody, get and them in all a way, together. I, I know that sounds like a long, you know, a month of time to get that, but there's there's a chance that you probably will have need to have established those relationships already <laughs> and then get everyone together to do that. Yeah, um, sometimes it is, but you can also just reach out for new partnerships. Yeah, right, okay. The, all that you need for your application is to get a letter or an email of, you know, confirmation from that group, gotcha. from that partner to say like, yes, we will collaborate with you on and this project. And if that project. council or whatever is, is kind of already has that as a priority or it's yep. up there, then they're likely to kind of go, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, we'll exactly, yeah. exactly. So be smart, okay. you know, be strategic so about how you this do this. month. Yeah. Okay. And we're going to stick a link on our Facebook after we the show. We are. We are. And if that is not enough already, uh, uh-huh. Coast Care Community Grants are also open. Yeah, wow. So, I missed that as well. Yeah. So they've been open for a while now and they're, they're open for projects for up to uh, $10,000. Uh-huh. So they're a little bit smaller. But look, nothing to sniff out, obviously. No. Gosh, you can do and, a lot for 10K. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the closing date for those is the 30th of March. So just in case you didn't have enough deadlines yet for a grant application. So that's like this month. Okay. Yeah. It's right. like four days, four days or and we'll five put that days link before. Up. 
the other one. And the difference between those two, apart from the size? Um, like as Coast Care ones kind of it has to be about anywhere along the coast. Yeah. The other so one they is about both, Port Phillip only. Yeah, so gotcha. Coast Care is Victoria-wide gotcha. and the Port Phillip Bay Fund, obviously, as the name says, it's it's about Port Phillip Bay and the, the area of Port Phillip Bay, about five kilometres inland from the high tide mark. Huh, Very okay. specific. Yes. Yeah, so you can still do waterway and estuary stuff as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, cool. Oh, wow. Okay, there we go. Cool. There are There is money available and it is for community partnerships to get things done. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Do you want to kick off? Because I'm going to yeah. go about the pest watching Sure things. thing. Um, well, first I've got some news about Tangaroa Blue Foundation who keep kicking goals. Um, so, you know, they, they want to get rid of all the uh, marine plastics and uh, plastic pollution in the environment and doing great news. Uh, so good news is that they've launched a, a project in Victoria now where Victorian fishers can recycle their unwanted and broken fishing tackle. Yeah. Um, so the Rig Recycle Program, as it's called, collects fishing line reels and sinkers and spools and spool packaging and all that sort of stuff. So it can not only be repaired but also reused and recycled. Um, so the pro- the program comes as the latest analysis of the Australian Marine Debris Initiative data shows that since 2020, nearly 145 kilometres of fishing line has been recovered from coastal and estuary fishing sites. Did you say 145 kilometres? Yeah, yeah. That's just from I estuaries actually, yeah, and, and I, coastal sites. Yeah, and I, I googled it. If anyone asked, like that's fishing line that goes from the Triple R Studios here in Brunswick all the way to Bendigo. Wow. <laughs> One fishing line. Wow. Um, and that's only since 2020. And that's only what's been recovered. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Uh, and, and fishing litter, recreational fishing litter is listed in the top 10 items um, that are recovered during community cleanup events all over yeah. Australia. So yeah. it's, uh, it's it was high tide something, you know, high time something um, happened about that. So the, the Rig Recycle Program uh, was developed by Tangaroa Blue and it was funded by a Sustainability Victoria Circular Economy Fund. So they're, yeah, they're wow. funding it because okay. that's a yeah. massive emphasis at the moment um, in the Victorian economy to go through towards that circular economy. So they will collect all those uh, those items and you can drop them off at 60 very convenient collection points across Victoria. And what you can do, especially when you are um, – when you have like a, a small business or something like that, you can actually apply for one of the bins, the collection bins, um, and those fishing and packaging items that are deposited in the bins will then be diverted from landfill, on a, obviously, and what can be repaired will be repaired, which hmm. is what I yeah, really okay. like That's about this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then reused and also recycled, of course, if we can't repair it. Um, so, for example, the fishing line and the spools will be reprocessed. They'll be um, into recycled plastic feedstock, and that is then used as a, you know, in manufacturing. So it gets clumped back up into yeah. noodles or something, yeah, and exactly. then it's used yeah, in yeah. manufacturing So it's, it's kind of like shredded plastic that is then back the base material for other recreational fishing industry products again. So they're really trying to close the loop there. And it's that so reduces the use with, of, sorry, of, yeah. of, of virgin plastic, you know, yeah, which yeah, is no, super exactly. important. Yeah, yeah you, you mean oil. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Every <laughs> exactly. time I, you know, every time now, you know, we talk about plastic, I'm just going to talk about oil. Well, and and, and so we should, and so <laughs> we should, because you know, like the oil industry, like we're, we're moving away from that, and so yeah. basically all they can do is grow the plastics industry to yep. get rid of their product. Spot so on. we need to be very Spot aware on. of that. And 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 I think there's nothing wrong, as we've talked about many times, with plastic per se, mm-hmm. in a closed loop 
commodity-based industry. Yeah. You know, like there's nothing wrong with it as long as it stays there and doesn't enter the environment. Exactly. And and the, the, the ways that we use plastic and the applications that we have for it are not always suitable. Like it's, it's not a suitable on. material. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you can go to uh, rigrecycle.org to find out where what your closest idea. rig recycle bin is located. And you can also submit an expression of interest there to host a rig recycle bin um, hmm. for yourself. So especially if you are in like a small business or something like that yeah. or your community group or surf life saving club like or, a council on yeah, the local pier yeah, local or whatever councils will yeah. be on board as well um so they'll be having those bins installed what a cool so, idea yeah so rig recycle yeah so huh. it's, it's really great because you know how we had those sealed the loop bins from Zeus yeah, victoria yeah, a while ago yeah. um but that would that all went to landfill so this is taking it one step further and yes. exciting news. Okay, more. CEO Heidi Tate will be joining us on the show on the 26th of March. And oh, we'll cool. talk more about uh, their rig recycle project and also some other stuff they're doing with circular economy of plastics in Victoria. They're doing some amazing stuff nationally. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I've got, can, can I do one? I've oh, got yeah, another yeah, different, yeah, completely yeah, different it. topic. Really, really interesting. This week, um, Federal Court of Australia actually made a kind of remarkable decision. And, and every time I talk about, um, returning rights to first people, I can't help but note that what we're talking about is the white legal system recognising the rights that have existed for tens of thousands of years, okay? So so let's just put that caveat in front. So finally, the legal system caught up with a series of rights that that first, first peoples have asserted for tens of thousands of years. Yeah. This time it was um, an extension of Eddie Marbo's mob up in, you know, up in the Torres Strait and the decision is to give sea rights so essentially they've recognised native title over the sea, which is at scale, which is the first time this has happened. And it's quite remarkable. And what was the most remarkable thing, and thanks to Dr Beach for pointing this out, was the evidence base on which it was recognised. And so I'll just read a couple of quotes, that the evidence was so compelling that the native title claim was accepted without the need for trial. Great. And normally, you know, they test it in the trial and people have to kind of go backwards and forwards and it's area or whatever. But it was so overwhelming. The judge said, I've never seen such a Trevor trove of material. That's a quote. Justice um, Deborah Mortimer of the Federal Court. She handed down the determination. She said she was struck by a connection to an understanding of sea country by the way the first people who submitted the claim for, uh, sorry, the submitted evidence for the claim talked about the waves crashing on the barrier reef and the sound they heard after that, the way they could navigate the night with stars, the way they knew one reef from another reef. The depth of knowledge is something I think it's hard for outsiders to comprehend. And a particular artist um, demonstrated this knowledge in his art, depicting a cloud that looks like the stern of a ship, and he explained that in in his language, Merriam language, um, it's the the it's called um, I'm going to get this wrong a, a stimacorcor, and that's it always appears in December when we see this cloud pointing towards the west. It tells us the wind will soon be coming from the west, wow. and it's that kind of depth of knowledge yeah. that the judge I'm reading between the lines basically said you can't make this up. No, it that- just shows you've been on this country and this sea forever. And it's it's ten, tens of thousands of years of science. They're scientists. Yeah, like yeah. they know everything so completely in depth. Like it, it does not surprise me that yeah. that got through really quickly. So it's quite remarkable. It's 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 you know I mean I think you know when Native Title first came out and John Howard tried to squash it, um, you know it 
the, the Trish Lyons had to literally have so much evidence, a weight of evidence that just didn't, you know, stand up in court, so to speak. Mm. And so, you know, we're finally moving a point where a justice will sit there with a very, you know, legal-minded approach to it and go, all right, yeah, fine, tick. We're not even going to bother with the trial. Yeah. And so it, it's, I know, you-, you know, tipping back to the original comment, this is about finally the white legal system catching up with decades and decades of unceded sovereignty, but still. So it's what a good does this mean, though, Ant? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you have like a, a legal hat that you can put on, but does this? As an set- ecologist, I make a great lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd be very good for the environment. Um, no, but like, does this set a precedent? I think like, it is would. Is this now an example of, of how things can be done easily yeah. and painlessly? Well, not painlessly. Nah, it's never painless, very, particularly very painful, not for actually. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, okay, you know, yeah, <laughs> keeping in mind that this is two biologists talking about the law. Oh, okay. yeah, we're not lawyers, everybody. <laughs> this is not legal advice. It seems to me the way the legal system works is precedent is important. Yeah. And so that was part of the reason why it was so hard for this kind of evidence to be put in the past because they go back hundreds of years through all this precedent back to England yeah. and no one's ever had that kind of evidence. And so judges go, well, how do we use it? The fact that judges are now going, well, actually, we can now, this is evidentially weighted similar to this kind of evidence, it you know, it makes sense. I think it creates precedent. Yeah. I think. But the well, lawyers can someone can at least it creates a, a really, really good example of how things can be done yeah. through, through the courts. Yeah. In, in you know, like as smooth as way possible, I guess. So good way to kind of congratulations kick off the everybody year of over the voice, there. The yeah. year of the yes on the voice. Mm-mm. Is that is that should we oh you got one more. Okay, mm-hmm. go for I it. Got yeah, one awesome. more, cool, one cool. more quick before we go to our first guest. Um so we are running a project called Passwatch at the Eco Centre, yes, which yes. is all about learning about marine pests in Port Phillip Bay. And uh, this is also a Port Phillip Bay funded uh, project, by the way, if you need some inspiration for your uh, for your uh, um, applications. Um, and I just wanted to let everyone know that the 23rd of March, we have a marine pest ID webinar coming up. Uh, so you can learn from your armchair all about how to identify Northern Pacific sea stars, Asian shore crabs and European green crabs. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, because Asian shore Shore crab is really quite a new uh, yeah. arrival in Port Phillip Bay. We've only discovered it a few years ago. Um, so when we started this show, we were talking about stopping them getting here. Wow, right. Yeah, so that's, you know, late 90s. Wait, so- no, that's Northern Pacific Sea Stars. No, both. Both. Oh, Asian shore crabs as well. Yeah. Well, we, we, we were kind, we kind people of People thought they were there. I know. Spot <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah. People thought they were here, but, you know, no one was really sure. And then all of a sudden, no, oh, hang on, they are. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, sorry. Yeah, so now, now yeah, we thanks. have that evidence have. for the, I know. For the Asian shore crab. We've been crab. doing this for a quarter of a century. I know. We've failed for uh, But, you know, it's not all bad news because uh, <laughs> we're, we're learning heaps about it at the moment. Uh, two weeks ago, we had a fantastic webinar where Dr. Richard Stafford Bell from, uh, from Agriculture Victoria from Biosecurity um, came in and, and did a fantastic talk and also Andrew Christie um, who is uh, Asian shore crab specialist at Point Cook Marine Sanctuary um, and they 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 told us heaps about it and now we're going to take it one step further and train everyone up to recognize them in the fields yeah, and, and cool. call them in when they see them because we and don't know where that? they are. So that's the 23rd of March 23rd. when we've got the webinar on and then cool. on the 25th of March, the Saturday after that, we'll plan a field trip to Rickers Point. So keep an eye on ecocenter.com slash events. And um, we can also put this on our Facebook Absolutely, after the show. we can. Yeah, awesome. and you can register for these events. Triple R. 
We're actually getting a lot of stuff in uh, through texting and uh, through through phone calls at the moment. Um, Scott just rang in to say that it's uh, International Women's Day on Wednesday, yes. and today the Chelsea and McRae York clubs are both uh, celebrating that with activities that you can do, such as stand up paddleboarding and sailing and windsurfing and things like that until two pm. So brilliant. that's perfect, perfect, like little perfect. charge, but you can le- learn yep. how to do all these things. Yep, that's yep, brilliant. Yeah, so that's super fun. And Bron actually, hi Bron. Bron just hi, Bron. texted in and she said, uh, Myra has actually told us that. Uh, there are 20-plus divers cleaning up at Frankston at the moment because it is Clean Up Australia Day oh as well. Oh, my God, it is too. Yeah, I forgot about that. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and so uh, they're cleaning up at Frankston. Um, so thank you, everyone. I mean, people from Diveline and Myra and Cara are, are doing, doing amazing right work. Now. They're looking, really looking after Frankston Pier, uh, and they're doing that this morning. So if you want to go and, uh, and support them, head your way over. And what Frankston. a beautiful segue to our next guest. Um, talking about cleaning up the ocean and so when we think about cleaning up the ocean, and you know, and, and this show has been, what are we in our twenty seventh year now? Um, you know, we've been talking about that need and trying to build ocean literacy for twenty seven years, and 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 the idea of helping to clean up the ocean. And I think one of the wonderful things that's been happening, as we talked about earlier, is the emergence of partnerships and different partners. Amy Lowe, our next guest, is the head of branding and marketing for Piping Hot. Okay, so um, they're working to create completely new textiles from algae to decrease plastic into the ocean, which is kind of remarkable. Amy joins us live on the phone from Sydney. Good morning, Amy. How are you? Good morning. I'm very well. Thanks for having me. It's wonderful you can join us, actually. Um, how did this journey start? I'm kind of interested. You know, we, we all at Piping Hot, at, at, you know, sitting away, you know, on a strategy weekend and kind of went, oh, maybe we should think about getting plastic out of our apparel line. How did it start? Well, you just mentioned that you've been talking about uh, ocean advocacy for 27 years, and I think just the great awareness of plastic pollution and all the damage that's happening to the ocean. Obviously, within our company, just as concerned citizens, we were incredibly um, alarmed by what we were learning, and at the same time, looking at what we were spending our weekdays doing, um, and we love clothes, and we love what we do, and we love design, but... We also recognise that something needed to change. And as a brand, Piping Hut has always been about the ocean. Mm. But the next step is rather than the original founders who were really focusing on how do you get in the water, um, stay in the water for longer, which kind of sparked uh, um, innovation around wetsuit technology, Mm. the current challenge with the future of the oceans is how do we protect them and make sure that they continue to be uh, this enjoyable playground that surfers love. Yeah, Um, and so, and that's really important, Amy, that point, because, you know, all the research at the moment, because, you know, we uh, do a lot of plastics research here in Melbourne, and one of the most shocking statistics is that there are clothing fibres uh, pretty much in every every kilo of beach sand, there's heaps and heaps of clothing fibres that come through washing machines and things like that. So, uh, yeah, very timely project for you to start. <laughs> yes. I mean, to be honest, when we started it in 2017, I think is when we first set out to introduce recycled polyester into our clothing um, as opposed to virgin polyester. Uh, we were really more concerned about plastic bottles, single-use plastic issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, a lot of research, and we've been talking really um, closely with scientists, particularly at the University of New South Wales, about microplastic shedding. So much more knowledge is now um, available to us about the contribution that textiles are making to microplastic shedding in the ocean. 
So research indicates that one-third of microplastic shedding or microfibres in the ocean come from synthetic textiles. Wow. Yeah, I, that, I've never heard that thumbs nodding. That, that's extraordinary. Yeah, that aligns with what we find on Port Phillip beaches here, actually, huh. the research. Yeah, there's, there's, there's heaps of fibres. I can't remember exactly how many, but there's always, always fibres in any kilo of beach sand that you pick up. And so then, Amy, as, as producers of a product that you know is doing that, then, you know, there's, there's obviously a kind of a, as you said, there was a, well, personally, we all kind of love the ocean, so we don't want to be doing that. But at the same time, there's a brand challenge. And so you originally, mm. as a brand, tried to switch or did switch to as much recycled polyester rather than, than virgin polyester. But now you've started a completely different pathway, which I find really remarkable. You're actually partnering with the, a university uh, 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 in Sydney to, to try and build an entire new line of textiles based on algae? Mm, yes, absolutely. Well, we, I guess, recognise that recycled polyester is just the first stop and it is doesn't actually tackle this clean ocean solution that we really want to deliver. Um, and so we were exploring different ways of how do we how do we reduce microplastic shedding at the source, meaning at the point of design through fabrication. Mm-hmm. Um, and scientists were pretty challenged on how to give us that advice um, because, as I said, research in microplastics is just in that early stage of Mm. understanding the impact in the ocean, collecting it, all of that kind of stuff. So uh, we kind of took a giant leap um, and recognised that we could look at bio-based fibres and particularly this algae solution that we've developed with or are developing with the University of Technology Sydney and with climate scientists there who are doing incredible work and so we are tackling polyester. Um, I guess there's seaweed fibres that exist and there's some great examples wow. in the market, but polyester is the most dominant fibre, uh, yeah. 52%, 2% of the global market, and it's what we choose to swim in, you know? It's what we choose to do our um, exercise in, and it's, like, connected in with so many different aspects of kind of everyday life. Um, so if we want to make the biggest difference to our industry, meaning the broad fashion industry and, and I guess, surf as a segment of that, uh, developing this new fibre which uses algae as a, an input rather than a fossil fuel um, significantly improves the kind of environmental impact uh, on carbon emissions kind of, but also plastic shedding, all of these things. I guess that, that's what our hope is, Yeah. Um, but we're at that very early stage of developing the prototype and there's lots of gateways. <laughs> yeah, it takes, it takes a while to get to get to those uh, to those solutions and lots of trial and error, uh, but it's it's really great that it is starting now. So my question would be, so how, how much of the fabric would be replaced by, by algae, like in percentage? What's your, what's your dream percentage? 100%, of course. But. We, so, yes, absolutely. Look, the brief to UTS was, what can we do to eliminate the fossil fuel component entirely, but still retain the structural integrity and the hydrophobic nature that everyone loves about polyester, the durability. Um, Stage one is probably not going to get us to that, um, but we see it as a very long-term project. And it's also happening in parallel with some other projects that we are kind of keeping our eye on in different parts of the market. So whilst we can unlock one part, the other, we, we think that with some other things that are happening, we could probably get there faster. Um, 
Yeah, so that, the intention it's, is to create a biocompatible, bio-based fibre that has the same features as polyester, but as you identified, stage one is probably not going to be that immediately. It's remarkable. Yeah, I mean, it is remarkable. I mean, obviously the vision, it seems to me, is to completely change the textile, you know, what is the major... I think you said, Amy, 52% of global textile is polyester, and so just even making a 10% chunk out of that would be quite remarkable. Yeah, exactly, but it also still needs to be recyclable, right? Because clothing at the moment is recyclable, so it's actually still valuable to put it back into a circular economy model. So how is that going to work for the algae? Would would that also be recyclable, or is it more like a compostable compostable situation? Yeah, the new season's compost. Wow. (laughs) So I guess there's, a, there's probably a few different alternatives there, as you say, polyester um, and making that recyclable. Australia is very far behind in having the facilities on shore to be able to do that, but mm. the technology is being developed quite rapidly globally. Um, and so, it, to be honest, we don't know which one this particular... We're really focused yeah. on the material impact at the, in terms of the raw material input. We're very conscious about the circular, like its contribution to the circular economy, but we can also see two tracks. So, as I said, ideally it's biocompatible. It kind of um, can be, you know, basically won't impact the oceans at its end of life. That's our hope. Yeah. (laughs) No, no. There's a a lot of aspects to to try and, like, plug into (laughs) this project. And, um, look, it's incredibly ambitious, Uh, and I think that's the wonderful thing about it, though, Amy. I think it's fantastic that a major company, a really major, you know, iconic Australian company is saying, look, we don't know where this will go, but we've identified that we're part of the solution to, to making healthy oceans. And we're going we're gonna to put our money in our, you know, where our mouth is, we're going to do something about it. And I, I just, you know, sometimes, and, you know, you know, I've met you, I know this is real. There are some listeners who'll be going, oh, this is greenwashing. You know, and, and, and how do you tell tackle that kind of perception amongst some that, well, you know, you're really just doing this because you want to make yourselves yourselves look good. And these are really valid questions because, you know, working in the environmental field, the greenwashing is what we see a lot. You know, and we saw in recent weeks, you know, was it ASIC saying they're actually now prosecuting companies for for that kind of stuff. How do you kind of deal with that stuff? Because you probably get that every once in a while. (laughs) It is at the forefront of our mind. I think that within... Our team, we're probably the most cynical because we see such kind of wild greenwashing claims and we know from our own explorations in production development and our own research that some of those things that have been, statements that are being made are just not technically possible at this stage. Um, So, look, we retail through Target, which is part of the West Farmers Group. The West Farmers Group take a very, very... um, I guess, conservative view and a really concerned, like we're under the microscope. Uh, we also have to go through so many checks and balances around what claims we're making for every product. The core principles are transparency, traceability, and kind of evidence around the data or claims that we make. So um, if you were to look at the various reports that I have open on my computer at any regular time, I'm looking at LCAs, so the life cycle analysis and impact data, I'm, I'm dealing a lot with kind of the scientific research and the latest scientific research. Uh, we're looking at 
uh, interrogating our supply chain to make sure that we have a chain of custody through our products that we can point to and say, well, to the best of you know, these are all third-party verified certifications mm. to the global standard. Absolutely, it's not, you know, there, there, there is room for error in any of these processes. However, um, we're fully committed to making it, to meeting the highest of standards that are available and actually even working with the, um, the global industry to try and eradicate greenwashing because we're doing so much and it really damages <laughs> Well, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, exactly. Oh, totally. It's in your own interest, right, to be yeah, no. to become a champion and to raise the bar. Really. And I was, that was how I, I was going to end with that term because I think that that is actually the, the key point is that, you know, now you become an ambassador and a champion to other industries to say, you know what, you can, you can do this. You know, it might take a while. You've got to be serious about it, but you can do it. And I think that um, that's the thing that stood out for me is that, that the kind of changes that, you know, we all know we need to make in our life and in in the way we work, you know, the way we deal and and connect to our ocean, the way we buy things, all of that. We've got to be partnering with business to do that. So, Amy, thank you so much for joining us this morning and talking us through the piping hot Elgul apparel journey. (laughs) And when the first swimwear comes off the Elgul, you know, line... We, we want to know. And we'll model it for you. <laughs> and no, I and will we'll put, not. We'll, we'll put photos on our well, Facebook I will, page. <laughs> I will say that all of our footwear um, has 5% of algae in it. And this yeah, is wow. a bit of a challenge as well. So, huh. um, I love that so much. Yeah. 5% of our footwear has algae in it. Yes. <laughs> yes. So the uh, so songs, the classic, you know, everyone lives in them every summer. Yeah. The souls of our of our songs all have five percent of algae, which again we had to trace. It, it's um, harvested from polluted waters, and it, that was a real challenge for us to be able to have that integrity. Yeah. To know that that's where it's coming from. That's what's in the shoes. The impact of that small amount, that 5% converts to a significant amount of energy, sorry, um, air cleaned and um, polluted waters cleaned. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just that whole space blows my mind. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. And, and thank you. You know, thanks for joining us and thanks for jumping in and, and yes. into, the, into this space and clean oceans. Amy Lowe is the Head of Branding and Marketing at Piping Hot and thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. It's just remarkable. I love that, you know, we're at a point now where really serious major players in the market are kind of going, we've got to make a change here. Yeah, and this is this really, is the, this it's is the necessary because what, what she's referring to as well, which I really like, is like once they have their house in order and it's 100% good, they can hold oh, other massively. companies who are greenwashing yeah, yeah, yeah. accountable you know for people ruining are their buy industry. That. You know, people are going to buy that. Yeah. I saw the stats on who's buying the fart-free or burp-free <laughs> burgers at Grilled. They've got burp-free burgers, you know, with asparagopsis in it. It's unbelievable. It's like 30% of people are up, uh, ticking the box to say, yes, I'll pay an extra buck and I'll, you you know, emission-free burger. It's working. You're listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favourite podcast platform. Hey, we're going to talk to, we've been talking about change and um, Cal Glansnick is a young businessman um, a, and as and is, is a youth ocean change maker. And so he joins us live on the phone from studio, uh, from Sydney. Good morning, Cal. How are you? Good morning. 
morning, Anthony. Great yourself? Yeah, yeah, really good. Now, hey, look, you know, you're 22. You already run a big swim swimwear company. I'll mention their name, Delfina. Anyone who does swims professionally or plays water polo knows Delfina very well. You know, you're probably a busy guy, right? But you're also a youth change maker. So what is that? Why the oceans and why do you want to make change? Yeah, well, I mean, I've grown up and still live in Cronulla, which is in Sydney South, so we have, you know, some of the world's nicest beaches. Oh, I hang on, know hang on the... a minute. We've got some down here. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the, uh, the surf coast is very nice down your way. But, um, very rough, diplomatic. I don't, yeah, I know, I'm going to get cancelled straight away. But, uh, <laughs> but definitely, you know, growing up, living in outdoors, life surfing, yeah, as you mentioned, to play water polo as well in the, the bay. You just really develop. I think all Australians really just have a real strong affinity and connection to the oceans. And I guess my journey started, we had a water polo training session down in our local bay and there was so much rubbish in the water huh. that we had to get out. And I said, you know, this isn't good enough. Like, you know, but literally I can't play my sport because of the rubbish in, you know, this pristine beach. And so I started an organisation called Plastic Free Cronulla that we worked with businesses as large as, um, you know, the big RSL that we help them remove 150,000 plastic straws every year to, you know, small canteen tuck shops. Um, and from there, built a bit of a community shift um, of perception and changed the narrative that ultimately led to the state government in New South Wales legislating single-use plastic bands across the five items that we were targeting, which we were pretty excited about. Yeah, New South Wales is really ahead with some of the bands on plastic. It's really interesting. And do you... Like, it's a remarkable thing. So you would have been a teenager at this point, right? And you thought, well, look, no-one else is doing it. I'm going to step up. Is that, you know, is that, is that something that you reckon teens should do? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the big thing that uh, I find with a lot of young people is that they're not swayed by any real agenda outside of wanting to do good for the environment or good for sort of their future, um, you know, generations and kids and grandkids and making sure that they're acting now for a world that they'll be proud to pass on. Mm. Uh, But with, yeah, young people, there's no real age you can get started. Some of the most incredible people that I've met over the years, both in Australia and overseas, of you know, real change makers have been really young and it's just crazy, you know, when I go and um, engage with a lot of school STEM programs, just the innovation and ideas that kids have these days to just go out and solve problems because, you know, if young people or anyone really, like if you're not going to go out and solve a problem, you can't expect other people to get it done. Yeah, and that's that's a really great attitude, Cal. And I'm seeing that, you know, as an educator, I'm seeing that that attitude a lot with the youth, you know, that that we work with as well. And it's really, really beautiful. And I have such trust in the, in the next generation. Like I really do. It's so inspiring. Now, Cal, um, obviously, you know, doing things of this magnitude that you have done, you, you you can't really go that alone. Like, how did you how did you gather people to come along on the journey with you? Yeah, well, definitely all my friends and sort of community really rallied behind a lot of things that I've done. Um, So it definitely wasn't a singular effort to see these changes in New South Wales go through. We uh, partnered with the local Chamber of Commerce and they were super supportive and on board to push this through their member businesses and also really provide a good open door to state, um, local and federal government to be able to 
you know, get in front of the right people and ask the right questions. Yeah. Even, um, even when I was in high school, I arranged to get $100,000 worth of solar installed, which, you know, that in itself, we were able to bring in, you know, the PNC, the state government, a lot of, um, you know, fundraisers and supporters that saw that through. So I love it. I, I reckon, mean, I wonder if I'm whether, you know, like if, if the youth kind of are doing this and asking, I, yeah, maybe it just kind of... It opens doors and, and, and politicians and others listen. Well, well, it does, and we need to support them. Yeah. You know, that's really important. Hey, Cal, we're nearly running out of time, but I'm really wondering, what are you working on at the moment? What's your next big campaign? Yeah, well, I went to Egypt. I was fortunate enough to go to the UN, the United Nations COP27 last year, and definitely the big insight was that there's so many young people that are super passionate, and, you know, since I've come back and um, have met a lot of incredible young people, but... There's a huge disconnect between, you know, the passion and, you know, ideas that we have, but the lack of opportunities to go out and do something. Um, so I'm working on, at the moment, we've got this World Oceans Day Youth Carnival that we're, we'll be holding in June this year at Luna Park in Brilliant. Sydney. The Sydney Luna Park. Um, and we're going to get 5,000 students and pretty much create a big day of action and you know, turn that passion into action, which oh, I'm pretty excited we're, about. We're going to get you back on to plug that and see if we can get a Victorian offshoot because we're at a Lunar Park here as well. And I reckon mm. it'd be awesome to get kind of a a, a a thing happening in Sydney, a thing happening here. Hey, Cal, we've run out of time. I'm so sorry. We'd love to chat to you forever. Let's get you back on in a bit more detail about the um, World Oceans Day event. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Thanks right, so well, much for joining us, You too. Yeah, all good. All right. Thanks, see guys. Ya. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Thanks so much for being here. It means a lot. Hi, this is Bron Burton. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page.